Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. This series that we're in, Pastor Ian kicked it off last week, it's called Growing Young, which I know we all wish we were doing physically, right? As we uh, get all these aches and pains in our 40s. We are focusing our hearts just joking. Yeah. <laughs> we are focusing our hearts in this series to see how we can become a church where every member of the church family is discipling mature kingdom entrepreneurs. And Pastor Ian addressed that last week and explained it very well. This is our vision for a new season of ministering to our young people. And the title, Growing Young, that's taken from a study which showed that the churches where the young people thrive, those churches weren't necessarily hip or cool. They weren't like well-funded or had the best facilities or best preachers or best bands. But actually, those churches did these six things. They empathized with today's young people. They empowered them with, in their gifts at the right time. And they put discipleship to Jesus at the center of it all. That's what we need, excuse me. Have a warm and welcoming community, which is what we're cultivating here, and prioritize families. And then finally, they serve their surrounding communities. So last week, Pastor Ian, he focused on the aspect of uh, having a mature discipleship to Jesus as the core of our ministry to young people. Today, our message is entitled, All In. And we will be looking at the importance of the phrase, every member of the church family, every single member engaged, as we explore our passage today from Joshua 24. So as I was preparing this message, I really sensed the Holy Spirit asking us to do something a bit different today. First of all, to remember what he has done for us. And then secondly, to ask him to reveal anything in our lives that might be hindering our complete obedience to him. And then finally, to reaffirm our yes. I'm all in, Jesus. I'm committed to do what you've called me to do in this season, whatever that looks like. So before we jump into that, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence here, the powerful worship that we just experienced and that is continuing now with the the giving of your word. And Lord, we remember what you did long ago. For you are God and there is no other. You are God, there is no one like you. You declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying, my plan will take place and I will do all my will. Let that plan take place here. Let that will be done here in Jesus' name, amen. So, if you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua 24. We're going to start at verse 14. But here in Joshua, the Israelites, they find themselves in a time of transition, of leadership transition, actually. Joshua is at the end of his life. He has faithfully led the people, taking them into the promised land, And now he's calling all of them, every tribe, every family, to gather together at this place called Shechem. They were to to present themselves before God. 
This was a very important time in their history. So in the first part of this chapter, the Lord reminds all of them everything that he had accomplished on their behalf. They were a people chosen by God for a very holy purpose, and it was the Lord himself who repeatedly delivered them from impossibly powerful enemies. He had proved himself faithful to them. But there was more yet to be done. There were still nations in the land, and those nations had gods that if the Israelites were not careful to obey God and finish out what he commanded to them to do, those gods would become a snare to them in that land of inheritance. So after Joshua reviews that history, he presents the following challenge, starting at verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth or faithfulness. Do away with the gods which your fathers served beyond the Euphrates River. And these were the gods all the way back to Abraham's father and uh, Abraham's brother who served those gods. So do away with those gods and the gods in Egypt and serve the Lord. And in Hebrew, the word, the name Lord here is Yahweh. This is important. It's his covenant keeping name. And God is initiating a renewal of the covenant here. That's what's taking place. But if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And everyone says, Amen. The people answered and said, Far be it from us that we would abandon the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of slaves, and he did these great signs in our sight. He watched over us through all the way in which we went and among all the peoples through whose midst we passed. The Lord drove out from before us all the peoples, even the Amorites who lived in the land. We will serve the Lord, for he is our God. And this is pretty shocking response that Joshua has here. He says to the people, you will not be able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your wrongdoing or your sins. If you abandon the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and destroy you after he has done good to you. And Joshua is emphasizing the importance of this decision. This is not something to be taken lightly here. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen for yourselves the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Verse 23, now then, this is Joshua speaking, do away with the foreign gods which are in your midst and incline or offer your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey his voice. So here we find the Israelites in an important time of transition between, between generations and covenant. And many of us are in a time of transition right now and to an extent, all of society is coming out of COVID. And transition 
It's challenging, right? But it's filled with opportunities. It's an opportunity to reset our course. And the first thing we see in this passage is the importance of looking back, remembering what God has done. This looking back is always historical and personal, okay? Joshua starts off by recalling the great things that God has done for, him, for them. And in the previous chapter, chapter 23, he said to them, you know with all your heart and all your soul that not one of the promises, the good promises the Lord your God made to you has failed. Every single promise was fulfilled for you. Not one has failed. So in scripture, God identifies himself he reveals himself through his miracles, his works. That's how we get to know his nature. And when we look at his works, we see that he is faithful. He is good. He is loving. He is wise. He is powerful. He's able to do everything that he said he's going to do. And we also see this in our own lives. So whether it's the stories of the Bible or our own testimony, the stories of our own lives, it's important to remember what God has done and then to tell those stories to our children. But uh, the thing about this is that we need to keep retelling them. Each generation must retell it to the next generation. Yeah. It just doesn't happen by itself. We can't expect someone else to do that for us. We have to keep telling the stories. When we turn a couple pages from Joshua 24 and we go to Judges, we see the tragedy of what takes place when that doesn't happen. After Joshua and his generation died, another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or his works. And it's becoming more and more common in our country now to meet young people who know very little or nothing of Jesus. And this was unheard of just a few decades ago. It was such a part of our culture. And now we've transitioned out of that, becoming a post-Christian culture. You see that if it's not intentionally passed on, the story is forgotten. And the peril of this story being forgotten is that God is forgotten. And we're seeing evidence in that all around us, aren't we? I have uh, such fond memories of Barry when the kids were little. At night, he would go in there, lay on his stomach, get the Bible, the kid's Bible out. They would pile all over him on his back and crowd in, and he would read the Bible stories. You guys remember that? <laughs> and every single night, he would tell them the stories. He must have gone through, I don't know how many books, but he was doing something more than bonding in that moment. He was imparting truth. He was imparting the understanding of who God is. And through our children's lives, we've made it a point to share the stories of God of what he's done in our own lives. And while that's a privilege and a responsibility of us as parents, we need all of us to be pouring into our children in this way. And you've done that through, some of you through our teaching, our Sunday schools, our youth leaders, you've done an incredible job and I thank you for your faithfulness but you don't have to be a Sunday school teacher and you don't have to be a youth leader in order to speak into the lives of our kids. When we had the, the prayer teams up here, some of you made it a point the following week to search out my kids. You went out of the way to find them and say, hey, you know you prayed for me last week 
and God moved. He touched me. I was healed. Or God is doing something amazing. You know, when you did that, that imparts faith into those young hearts. Thank you for being obedient. Thank you for telling your testimonies to our kids. Let's continue to do so. Psalm 145.4, one generation will declare your works to the next and will proclaim your mighty acts, O God. To those of you who are older in our, our church family, our children need to hear your stories. Everything that God has done in your life, you are the guardians of the vision, as Paul Reed shared a few years back in a message. And as we move forward with this vision of the family ministry, we look to provide opportunities so that the generations can interact in such a way that you're able to impart what you carry. This is so important. This is a part of being the family of NC4 that we are hoping will happen over these next few years. Can you testify to the goodness of what God has done for you? Can you talk of God, talk of knowing Jesus, talk of walking with the Holy Spirit so that it seems like the most wonderful thing in the world, because it is. Are we communicating that joy? All it takes is passing on your story of God and his goodness. So no, what, no matter what your age, the following point holds true. Your testimony, it becomes an inheritance to be, to be passed on to the next generation. Revelation 12 says that the saints over overcame the devil by the word of the testimony and the blood of the lamb, and the two are never separated. They are always together. We have a testimony because of the blood of the lamb. We, have a, we are freed, delivered from bondage. We have salvation in Jesus' name because of what he paid for. So when you share your testimony, it's powerful, and it's meant to be shared. Now the next thing we see as we move on in the passage is that in those moments or in these moments of transition, we not only look back, we look to the present and we take stock, we take inventory of what's going on. So in that moment of transition, for the Israelites, Joshua had commanded them to um, remove the gods that was among them. So apparently there were things that they were carrying that they shouldn't have been carrying. So like when we move into a new home, what do we do? Before we move, we uh, go through the closets. We get rid of the things that we don't want to bring with us. It's a time to clean out before we move into the new home. And it's a, actually a great opportunity. For Joshua, it was about the importance of the people recognizing the idols that they were tempted to take with them into the promised land. Church, we are going somewhere. We are in a massive transition moment. And I believe there, this is an important opportunity for us as a church family to ask the Lord to reveal anything in our hearts or in our family that has become an idol that we must get rid of to move forward. Anything that will interfere with our wholehearted obedience to Jesus. And note that those things aren't always bad. A lot of time they're good things, but in our eyes they become the ultimate thing to us. So that site where the Israelites gathered, Shechem, 
that had a rich history. Which it reached all the way back to Abraham building the very first altar to worship God. It was a site where Jacob commanded his family to bury the idols that they'd been carrying around from, with them since they left Laban's household, his father-in-law's household. It's also the site where Jacob built a well, the same well where generations later, Jesus would speak to a Samaritan woman about worship. So this land that they were gathered on was a land of decision. It was a land where their forefathers and their future descendants would make the choice to worship God and serve God alone and no other. This was an important place. So Joshua, he presents the choices before them. Family gods, local gods, regional gods. They have their choice of gods all over the place. But they knew full well the consequences of the choice that they were going to make. But for Joshua, the choice was made. He was resolute. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We might not have the physical wooden or the stone or the golden idols in our homes, but idols are still very much alive and well in our culture. John Calvin, he referred to the human heart as the perpetual idol factory. And I love what Tim Keller says to help us identify them. This is uh, the next slide. What is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. An idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll feel my life has meaning. Then I'll know I have value. Then I'll feel significant and secure. Those are convicting words. Anything in our lives can turn into an idol. Our career, money, even our appearance, our family. Ministry can become an idol if we're not careful. And as I said, most of the time, they're good things that we just exalt to a, the ultimate thing to us. They fuel our fears. They teach us lies by convincing us that we need them. And they appeal to those deep-seated desires within us, that, that need for power, for acceptance, con the need for comfort or control. And here, I really hope you carry this today and understand, it's dangerous to assume that God is okay coexisting with the idols in our lives. He loves you too much for that. In Jonah 2, verse 8, it says that those who cling to idols, they turn away from God's love for them. And I pray today that we would release our grip on the idols and fully embrace the love of God, which is so much greater and so much powerful. We take a huge step in our faith the moment we realize that God, he's not just a part of our lives, he is our life. Yeah. He is the reason we exist. We live, we move, we have our being in Him. He alone is God. There is no other. 
And of course, some idols, they're easy to recognize. You know, we, we kind of know when something is more important to us than God. But others are sneaky. You're not even aware that they've set up a place in your heart. Let me give you this example. One day I was running. I like to run. I was running down a trail, and there was trees on each side. Up ahead, I saw a very large hawk, and he was on one of the lowest branches of this tree. And I'm getting closer, and he's not moving. I thought, well, that's interesting. So as I continue to run, this hawk leaves the branch and comes straight to me. I freaked out. I thought he was going to attack me. So I cover my head. I stop in my tracks. And then he's not after me. He lands right beside me. He grabs a snake. I look at it. He flies off with the snake in his hand. It was incredibly cool and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> so, you know, in life, you know, as we're going down our journey, sometimes there's things hidden that God sees that we don't. So it's wise to ask him to examine our hearts, to reveal those things that have hidden a place in our lives. I mean, we go to the dentist every six months, right? And we allow this person to look in our mouths, to look at x-rays, to see things that we can't see, and then allow him to do the painful work sometimes of restoring and addressing an issue that will become much worse later. I don't care for dentists. I mean, the assistant one time suctioned my uvula. Oh, dear goodness. But God's not going to suction your uvula. <laughs> the kind of pain we experience when, when uh, he comes and uproots those idols, it's a good pain. It's necessary. And he restores us to where we need to be. And this is a process of walking in the Spirit. He begins to change the desires that we have for those things that war against him. He begins to replace them as we continue to submit to him. He replaces those desires with ones that honor him, that reveal and reflect his heart for us. So, as we delight in the Lord, we find out that he really does give us the desires of our heart. Watch what happens when the Lord becomes your delight. It's pretty amazing, because when you taste the real thing, that ruins everything else, you know, because when you taste what God has for you and who he is, all the other counterfeits, no match, no match. So now, now is the moment to take stock right where we are. And before we seek to move forward, we need to ask the Lord to show us any idols that we may have tucked in the moving truck that those idols need to be removed and stay behind. What is there that might be in our individual lives, our family lives, or even our church life? Whatever it is, God is the only one who deserves our worship because he is the only one in the universe that can actually satisfy our desire. Thirdly and lastly, this transition, it's a time to look ahead and to reaffirm our commitment, our yes to Jesus, to serve him alone. And I want to point out here that the commitment Joshua was calling the Israelites to embrace in this time, that included a commitment to serve the community in which God had placed them, which is the next point, a commitment to Jesus, 
assumes a commitment to his body as well. Karl Barth, he said, wherever you are, be fully there. Profound. <laughs> but there's something about that. It's a massive, massive difference in how you live and how you invest yourself when you recognize that God has placed you in this family. He has you here for a purpose. He wants to accomplish something through you, and he wants to do something for you as you are planted here. And when you recognize that purpose, when you become invested and intentional, that totally changes the way you live here as a family. There's something about listening to, his, to God's voice and being fully invested in the family where he has placed you. Colossians 1.18 says that Christ is the head and the church is his body. So we cannot be in covenant with the head and then just disregard the body, right? We cannot pick and choose which parts of the body we want. And I think, uh, Pastor Bob, you beautifully displayed that when you took off your sock and shoe <laughs> a few weeks back in your illustration. That's a good one to go back and watch if you haven't seen that online. So, um, so of course, back up. Joshua told the Israelites to do away with the foreign gods which are in your midst and offer your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. This was key. This was key to their living and their thriving to where they were going. And their response was, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord our God and we will be obey his voice. But we all know this. It's not just words that matter. It's how we live out those words, the actions behind the words. There was a time in my life several years ago and the Lord had been asking me to do something. He said, I want you to take your children, you and your husband, on a missions trip. And I kept saying, oh no, I'm not ready for that. Something might happen to my kids. You know, I kept making excuses. And God kept nudging me, I want you to go on a missions trip with your family. God, what if something happens to them? They're not quite, my youngest is still not a teenager yet. I want you to go on a missions trip with your family. And then I heard the voice of the Lord say, Delena, do you trust me with your children that I gave you? And at that moment, I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> My kids have assumed that position of being more important to me than God that my kids had become, become an idol and they were interfering with my obedience to God. I had to repent and I said, okay, God, here we are, use us. Yes, yes, we'll go. That trip touched our family in such a profound way. And especially my one daughter who heard the call of God on her life through that trip and is now pursuing that path in her life. That yes impacted them which is going to in turn impact others in the future. So the next point is don't underestimate the impact of a wholehearted yes to Jesus. A single yes to Jesus can set in motion a whole series of events that will impact generations to come. You were born for this. You are a masterpiece designed by the creator himself to do good works that he had planned for you to do long before you were born.
And as you recognize and partner with him, submitting to him wholeheartedly, you will find such joy in living out the very purpose for which you were created, you and your household. So today, let us remember what God has done. Let us ask him to reveal any idols in our heart and then reaffirm our yes to Christ alone. I'm gonna invite Grubby and Trisha to come up here to lead us into a response at this time. So Del Delena asked uh, Trisha and I, as mother and father of the house, to, uh, to lead us through this prayer. But something occurred to me just before, uh, before I got up. Um, you may be online or maybe you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus in this way. You've never said yes to Jesus in the sense that you want to be a, a part of, of Christ, that you want Christ in your heart. Maybe you've prayed prayers like that in the past or something, but it never really took. This morning is kind of a, a time where, where saying yes to Jesus is going to take. Now, so this past week, uh, we get called to, to bedsides a whole lot. And I was called to a bedside of someone that I knew from years ago who who's dying of uh, Parkinson's disease. And he was just about unconscious. And, and I know he can be healed, and we prayed for that and so forth. We anointed him and whatnot. But I remembered all those years ago where you and I were, were in a, a cell group, and uh, he came in, and he was, he's, a mo he's a motorcycle guy. You know, Carberries, he's a motorcycle guy, yeah. And he has colors on and all this kind of stuff. And, and the, the, the leader of the cell group was saying, you know, do we, uh, we're going to let this guy in the house? He looks pretty rough. And he was there because he was angry at someone within the house. And so I'm praying, what do I do, God? What do I do? And I felt like uh, I went out to him and said, look, you're welcome to come in. You're welcome to sit with us, but you got to keep your mouth shut. And so he said, okay, I can do that. And so while we're sitting there, he raised his hand and he said, what's all this about? And so I explained to him, you can say yes to Jesus. huh?" And part of the problem that he was angry about was his household. His household was completely in disarray. And so we just, un, you know, we just said, look, all you have to do is accept Jesus in your heart and, and, or, or just invite him into your life right now, and everything can change. This is a rough, tumble kind of guy who had a reputation in the, uh, in, in, in the whole region for being a rough and tumble guy. And you know what he said? He said this. He said, how come I never heard this before? Just like that. He said, are you serious? All I got to do is that. I said, yeah, this is, this is a, a commitment to Jesus. And he said, I can do that. And he prayed the prayer right there. I mean, no hesitation. It changed his life completely. And it changed his household completely. Fast forward to today. His little girl, who was about that big at the time, uh, is now a, a, a young adult. She's, well, she's probably Danielle's age, about 40 or something like that. And, and, and she, she and her whole family, with four kids and her husband, are on their way to Italy to be missionaries to Italy. And so we had occasion to be in a funeral together again 
two weeks ago. This is all coming back. And I'm remembering the little girl of the guy whose household was saved. And, and she's just vibrant. And I do a lot of funerals. And she said, can I come up and say some things at this funeral? I said, yeah, sure. And there's a, there was a place at the funeral where there was an invitation. She came forward and gave the gospel. And it, it, without going into too many details, uh, 17 people responded to Christ in that. You know, you never know where your yeses are going to take you. Are, are you there? You never know where your yeses are going to take you. So before we pray as a congregation, I, if you're watching online or you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus, uh, I mean, or you've never said yes and you feel like this has changed my life, changed my heart, we're going to go through a prayer together, and I'd ask you to say that prayer first, and then we'll pray as a congregation. So, can you bow your heads? And I'll ask anybody online, watching on social media, please, you know, join with me and, and pray this prayer. Or you can repeat after me. We'll do it the Catholic way here. Lord Jesus Christ, I am sorry for the things I have done wrong in my life. Forgive me. I want to turn from anything that I know is wrong, from any idol. I thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. I thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Jesus, come into my life. I am saying yes to you. Amen. I'm going to do the evangelistic call to the Christians. And what I mean by that is we are in a new day. We've come out of COVID. God has kept us. He really has kept us. And he wants to reveal what is next for each and every one of us. It is a time for all in. He is calling forth a fresh new vision. And I know in the beginning of July, it, actually it was Independence Day, which I thought was quite funny. The Lord just dropped in my spirit. It's a day of decision because it's a new day. And it's a time to move all in into the newness of what God is bringing forth. Thank you for listening to the NC4 podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.